Hey gang, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. Awesome to have you here for another episode. Very interesting times in our world, as you guys all are experiencing. So whether you're quarantined or social distancing or sheltered in or any other of these virus-related processes that you're following, I'm certainly grateful for you listening in, and hopefully this will be a good amount of entertainment um, an insight to take you away for you know an hour or so um, and kind of get you away from all the madness that's going on in this world. Um, and hopefully you'll learn a little bit. You know, Sean Kelly, who's my guest today, he is the founder of Jersey Champs, and he came up with this idea when he was in college. He was 19 years old. Fast forward now, four years later, and he's turned this into a tremendous success. So it, hopefully that's some great um, you know, insight for you, but also some motivation that you can come up with that idea as well, or maybe you have, and then you're, you're in those early processes of actually going through that journey. So either way, I hope you guys enjoy this great conversation with Sean. I'm excited to get into it. So without further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Sean Kelly. Let's get it started. Sean, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for joining today. This will be fun. Thank you for having me, Brian. Yeah, I was glad to get connected with you. Uh, Chris Mead had connected us. I know actually his episode with uh, for CrossNet just launched recently. So uh, that was really cool to chat with him. And he mentioned, he's like, Brian, you got to have Sean on. He's doing some awesome things with Jersey Champs. And I was like, all right, I'll take the, uh, I'll take the referral. So Awesome. Yeah, Chris is the man. Yeah, man. It looks like they're doing some cool stuff. I'm like, Do you play CrossNet? Yeah, I've played it. I, I've met them like three years ago when they were just, they haven't even started the company then. And I went through the whole process of watching them grow it from the ground up. Yeah, that's pretty neat. It's pretty cool to actually bring a sport to market that had never been. That, that's pretty interesting. So yeah. Um, well, cool. I'm I'm glad to chat with you a little bit about obviously what you're doing. Uh, for the record, remind me your age. You're young. Yeah, so I'm 22 right now, but I'm going to be 23 in a week. All right. Hey. Happy early birthday then, man. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the reason I like to say that is because, you know, there's so many different folks that listen to this, different age groups. You know, I'm, I'm, I'll be 37 next month. Um, mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, like everyone, different age groups, different things, different ways that you may or paths you may go on. And what intrigued me about your story a little bit is just kind of how this business has taken off and really grown rapidly. Um, even at a young age, it just shows that age doesn't matter. So I want to pry into that a little bit today. Uh, take me back a little bit of though. Let's talk about your upbringing a little bit, because at the end of the day, that probably had some influence on what you're doing today. Where did you grow up? Tell me a little about childhood for yourself. Yeah. So I grew up in a town called Bridgewater, New Jersey. You've probably never heard of it. Um, my parents got divorced when I was like 10, but uh, I used to help my dad out with his book business when he lived at my mom's place. So he would go to book sales and sort of just buy books. He had a good eye for what would sell for a good price. And he would list them on Amazon and eBay. And then I would help him pick them off the shelves and package them and ship them out. So he pretty much showed me how to make money online, selling something that he truly enjoyed. And it really inspired me to do that on my own because he liked that better than his actual computer programming job. And he was really happy doing it. So that was his side hustle. Yeah, it was his side hustle, but he was making uh, good money from it. And then um, book business sort of died out when those electronic scanners came out and everyone could do it. So he had to just focus on programming. What was, I'm actually, I'm curious to pry into here a little bit. Like, did he ever talk to you? And I, and I say this because I have a young son and, you know, I think about some of the conversations around entrepreneurship I talk with him about. Um, 
did you have those conversations or was it just you were tagging along or did he actually talk with you a little bit about business or, or was it more you were just from the outsider just observing and, and taking stuff in that way? Uh, I was so young that I couldn't really grasp like the whole process of like listing it online and stuff, but I definitely subconsciously like picked up on stuff he was doing, I think. And it, he really like helped me out. And so at that standpoint, so he was doing his computer engineering job somewhere in that range. And then, and then he was doing this on the side. What did he do after you said that kind of went downhill a little bit, obviously with changing technology and stuff like that. Did he pick up any new hobbies or? Um, so he reads a book a day, almost like Ty Lopez, some Ty Lopez stuff, <laughs> wow. but he, uh, he just loves reading, but he, no, he just stuck with programming because once the electronic scanners came out, those put him out of business and he couldn't really find anything else he liked as much. So for you then, what was, uh, like, let's talk about school. So middle school to high school and stuff. Were you a quote unquote normal student? Did you, what were some of the things that you liked or maybe didn't like about school? Yeah, it was interesting. It was a lot of different phases for me. Uh, middle school, I was the quiet kid, didn't really say much because I was going through the divorce. So I was sort of depressed, I guess. Um, high school, that carried over for like the first year or two. But then I really started coming out of my shell and started doing business, like selling candy in school, trying to sell stuff online, just trying to make some money. Um, and yeah, and then I got into college and just went from there. So do you feel like you had some of those entrepreneurial type tendencies, if you will, in high school? Those are some, you actually like doing that? Was that, did you feel like you were yourself when you were selling the candy or maybe some other stuff you're doing? Yeah, I was always interested in like margins and numbers and how much profit I can make if I sell this type of candy. I would go to Costco and try to get the best bang for my buck and then just use that money to like buy food for myself. So that's like, you know, obviously we're, we're talking about the Jersey stuff in a minute. So obviously that was maybe your beginning, if you will, your first business, right? Um, do you remember how that started? How did, how did you start selling candy? Was it just one day you're like, okay, people are wanting to buy this. Maybe I can stick it into school. Do you remember that? Yeah, I don't remember exactly because I was so young when I started. I started in fourth grade, um, but I never got an allowance growing up. So I guess that was part of the reason why. Um, that's like a common thing where I'm from a decently rich neighborhood. So I had to figure out a way to make money on my own. And I guess it sort of just happened from there. I would sneak out of my um, parents' house at like 10 p.m. and run to the nearest Wegmans by me, uh, make it back before midnight, sneak into bed and then sell all the candy I got at Wegmans the next day in school. I love that you said Wegman. We're actually, yeah, so I'm from upstate New York, love Wegmans. I came out here oh, yeah. to the Carolinas we didn't have any, but actually they're building the one that just opened last year. And there's a couple that are opening. Actually, there's one about eight minutes away from me that opens uh, here in the summer. So I'm like jacked up for what, and not many people know Wegmans. Like if you're not, if you're not from the Northeast, but uh, yeah, because everyone's so asked good, like, Brian, it's just a grocery store. I said, no, it's not a grocery store. It's an experience. That's all. That's oh yeah. Wegmans is amazing. It's in my top three. I like Wegmans and Trader Joe's and Costco a lot. Yeah, the subs there are so unbelievable. Oh, my oh God. yeah. I always tell everyone to get a sub there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a whole podcast episode just on uh, Wegman subs. I don't know. <laughs> um, we'll go that niche. So what? Did, let me ask you this. Now, obviously, you're only be 23 here, obviously, when this launches. But what, uh, 
when, when someone asked you growing up, like, Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? What, what was your answer? Do you remember back in high school? Oh, I'm trying to think. Like, did you have any ambition to, to do a certain career or something that you thought was, I think always business related. I didn't know exactly what it was, which ended up being marketing, but I always wanted to do some sort of business and just be on my own rather than work for someone else. Where did you end up going to college? So I went to the state university in New Jersey, Rutgers. Oh, oh, Rutgers. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I still live like in the neighborhood now. Did you go there for, you mentioned marketing. Was that going to be your major or that was that what you went for? Yeah. So it's funny. Um, I couldn't get the GPA to get into the business school because in high school, I only had a 3.2 and their business school, you, I think the average acceptance was a 3.5 or something. So I didn't get in. And then I was trying to transfer in all of freshman year, but I couldn't pass this one class called pre-calc. And yeah, I just couldn't pass it. So I ended up dropping out because I was so frustrated. I was taking all these classes that I didn't like. You know, it's so fascinating to me. I'm going to go down this rabbit hole for a little bit. And it's funny because looking back now, it's not that farther into the future. Now you're running an extremely successful business, you know, in, in terms of what most people think at 23 but yet they wouldn't let you into the business school four years ago. Isn't that interesting? It's just funny how, what are the prerequisites to actually get into college and those things? You actually had it probably inside you. It just didn't show on paper, you know? Yeah. I just wish there was like a way where you can showcase your business talents to maybe get in rather than your academics. Cause I think I definitely would have gotten then. Yeah. Yeah. That's a neat, I mean, it's a neat concept. And I think a lot of business schools, maybe they do miss out and, and I don't know if that's what they're looking for or not. Maybe they want someone that, you know, is more structured if you will. Um, but who knows? Um, that's, that's for another day, I guess, to decide, but it's always fascinating when I think about that of what you're doing now. So where did this idea come from? Let, let's talk obviously about Jersey champs a little bit. I want to spend most of the time with that. Mm-hmm. When did that idea originate? So that's actually one of the good things about college. I had the idea at Rutgers, um, just going to so many various events and parties and tailgates. Uh, People were wearing jerseys all over the place. And it's pretty cold in Jersey and people are still wearing jerseys. So I figured it was a huge market and people like in warmer climates definitely wore them too. Did some studying used in Google Trends and like the NBA market. I saw like Fanatics was worth $5 billion. So I knew it was a massive market. People really go hard for sports. And it sort of just came to me then. But are you thinking um, at that time, like, okay, there's these massive companies that they already create jerseys, they're doing whatever. I, I guess, why did you think, or, or maybe was it the self-confidence you had that you thought you could get in that market and actually make a dent? Yeah, I mean, that's probably part of it. You're so naive as a kid, you want to just jump right in. But also, I was sort of carving my own lane because I wasn't selling the same jerseys Fanatics was. They're selling like sports jerseys. And I'm sort of selling jerseys that aren't um, featuring sports teams. It's like featuring other designs, like with rappers and influencers. So they weren't really, they weren't doing that at all. And I knew it was sort of a different thing. So I just took an already selling product and put a slight twist on it. Yeah. And why did you go that route? That that was curious to me when I did it, looking at those. It, it obviously is a whole different angle. Did, did you see that as well? Because obviously you mentioned watching people wear jerseys. I'm assuming they were wearing you know, sports jerseys, uh, yeah, they were. athletes. <laughs> yeah. So I, the main reason honestly was the licensing costs like millions of dollars to get, um, like NBA and NFL. And that's very controlled. It's almost a monopoly by fanatics. They own all the rights to most major league sports teams. So that was probably the main reason. 
um, just couldn't afford it. What was the, um, I guess the cost of entry, if you will, let's talk about the first maybe couple months of this, like what dollars did you actually have to put in to start this? Like, did you have help or did you kind of have some folks that start with you or is this just your baby? Yeah. So I was pretty broke, but I took what I had from selling candy and like just finessing other college students. Um, I think I had a few thousand dollars at the time. I spent 250 bucks on my first Jersey design. Uh, I made a terrible move and I spent like 2000 bucks on my first website, which didn't even come out that good. Cause I, gave that to a college kid, but I should have outsourced that to a professional for better and cheaper. So probably around 3000 bucks, I'd say for everything. Did you design the jersey yourself or did you actually get someone to do that? Do you have that? Do you have the kind of uh, design, I guess, background or? Yeah. So I've never designed any of them, but I kind of guide them on what to do. Um, I, I'm, I don't know much about fashion, but I know what what's trending and like sort of what can sell on a jersey what was the first one that you did so it was a a rapper named drake um he's from toronto so we put toronto on the front and then he had an album called views from the six at the time so we put views for the name and then sick the number six for the number on the back and that was it that's pretty neat what so did you um did you send it to him? Did you, how were you selling it online? How, how did those first sales come in? Selling it around campus maybe? Um, it was, so our first batch of orders was a hundred units. We sold that in about a week or two, I believe. And it was all from Instagram. Um, I would just approach these Drake fan pages or uh, rap or hip hop fan pages, ask them to post the Jersey in exchange for money. Uh, some of them did it for free just in exchange for a jersey because they liked it so much. So I just sort of went from there. And I did that model for like a year straight. Anytime I came out with a jersey, I would hit up the fan pages of that person and just pay them to post it because they have a very targeted following. Well, yeah. And, and so you basically did it where you were almost getting pre-orders, right? And then once you got those orders, is that, is that when you started designing them? or, or Yeah. Just so at first... Yeah. So inventory is like Damon John on Shark Tank. He says this all the time, like inventory is the biggest killer of apparel brands. And it's so true. Like that first year, I definitely learned that lesson. Um, Cause I dropped like 10 designs at the same time and ordered like 50 units of each one. And then I still have some of those jerseys today. So uh, the pre-order model is good. Cause then you only have to order what you need. When you, when you started the business and you mentioned, you know, obviously you got the one design, started the website, was, was the idea always to go to Instagram and kind of go that route? Or was that something that kind of, that, that come to in a dream one night where it's like, oh, this is what I got to do. Well, how did, how did the marketing and promotion side coincide with the actual idea and execution starting? Yeah. So as a 19 year old kid, that's, that's all I knew was social media, uh, mainly Instagram and Twitter. So those were the hardest two I tackled when I was starting out. And then Twitter sort of died off as time went on and Facebook came up hard. So that I think the next year we doubled down on Facebook cause ads were so cheap, like three years ago, uh, kept going strong with Instagram. And now our biggest three are, are Instagram still Facebook and probably their Google or TikTok. Are you the, are you the kind of face, if you will? Like, I don't get on TikTok right now, but are you on TikTok making videos and doing all that or? 
Uh, I'm not, but I am paying people on there to post the jerseys because TikTok influencers are super cheap. Well, so that's, I'm curious about that. Cause again, I, I know that world a little bit from a, an influencer standpoint. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is that you mentioned a little bit ago is that you actually d- were paying people to say, Hey, if you post this, I'll give you X amount of dollars. Was that in exchange for just them posting or was that a certain amount? Like they would have to bring in a certain amount of um, sales or, or number mm-hmm. of units. How did you structure that agreement? Yeah. So there's t- different types of shout outs. So there's the Instagram feed posts where usually you either pay them or they do it in exchange for product. Um, there's the revenue share where they post it and then you split the revenue on an agreed number. Uh, and you could do that on stories as well. So people do stories with UTM links to track sales, Google UTM links. Um, but for us, stories, uh, don't convert as well as, as feed posts. And is that probably from a marketing standpoint, is that your, um, is that what you're mainly doing now? You mentioned social media. Do you do any, (laughs) I guess the lack of a better phrase, traditional type that people would think is traditional marketing or is it all just social media and influencers? Uh, I think mainly social media for direct sales, but it's obviously good to do the traditional stuff to build the brand reputation. So I have spent probably about 25 grand on press and PR services um, and I've done like a couple, couple like newspapers and magazines. What else do you mean by traditional? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Really what you had mentioned there, not that you're doing, you're not doing Super Bowl ads, I guess, me. <laughs> but like, yeah. you know, like actually that, that traditional away from, yeah, the, the structure of going and posting on Instagram or Twitter or what have you. Um, yeah. So you mentioned something earlier. I want to make sure I go back to, I don't want to, I guess, leave that un, I guess, uh, unfinished is you mentioned the website. Mm-hmm. So you paid 2k, which is a lot of money at that time, considering yeah. you said you only had a certain amount. Yeah. Tell me about that story. How did you, why, I guess, why was that a bad decision? Oh, uh, it was a bad decision just cause looking back at it, I could have got the same job done much cheaper and it was literally the kids first time making a website. So it was, not, it didn't come out the greatest. I can't blame them. He didn't have experience. I was paying people $10 an hour just to add products, which was silly. Um, cause that ended up being a mess. We carried thousands of products at one point and that was just a nightmare logistically. Uh, but I learned a lot from it and that wasn't even on Shopify, which was the worst part. So it was on, um, Bluehost. So our domain would crash all the time, every time I bought a shout out. So then luckily I switched over to Shopify a few months later. What was, what was kind of the big lesson? I guess if folks are thinking of starting their own online business that are listening in, what was the biggest lesson that you would, you would share right off the bat that they should uh, avoid? Uh, just honestly, Shopify. If you're doing e-commerce at least, and you can literally buy or get a free theme that will just save you hours and thousands of dollars rather than a custom, you don't need a custom site off the bat. Those are for like the big dogs, you know? Yeah. You mentioned your dad earlier. Did you have any, I guess, mentors over the last couple of years that have helped kind of guide you um, maybe with some business decision or ways to, to take the business early on? Yeah, so it's changed every year, but I've always had online mentors that I watch daily. Uh, Starting out, definitely Gary Vee, Ty Lopez, uh, a few e-commerce guys that are kind of low-key, but now I'm sort of in the phase where it's more mindset and time management, 
and getting the best value. Um, so I watch Alex Becker a lot, Sam Ovens. Um, I like Patrick Bet David as well. Uh, Lewis House has a good podcast. And yeah, that's pretty much it. But definitely, I attribute a lot of my success to those lessons those guys have taught me. Anything stand out? Like, and maybe that's on your mind. I'm sure you've learned a lot, right? If, I, mean, I listen to a ton of podcasts and, and those type of things. But anything like on your mind today, maybe something you heard in the last week or two that's like, oh my gosh, that was a good learning. Um, so this is pretty nerdy, but like there's this guy named Depeche Mandelia. I don't know if you've heard of him. No, I haven't. Yeah. So he's a big Facebook ads marketer and he released this hundred page cookbook, um, on Facebook ads. I read that so fast. I read that all in like a day and just implemented it. And my return on ad spend literally tripled just from those tips he gave. So that stuff, that was the best guide on Facebook ads I think I've ever read. Wow, that's pretty cool. I'll, I'll link that up in the in the show notes there. Um, if I could, I'm sure I can find it online. Maybe you can send it to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, the uh, so I'm curious here. Are are you a little surprised at how quick this has taken off, and and how you've had such a hockey stick type growth um, over the last little bit, or what, did you kind of feel this day one like, hey, this is going to be something? Oh, I was just so young, so much energy, just going all in. Honestly. I'd be lying if I said I was surprised. Like, I feel like I, I earned this just from all those hours I, I worked the first year or two. It was crazy, like 15-hour days back-to-back, like no weekends off. Uh, it's all starting to pay off, like, the past year, I'd say, where I can sort of take it easy. You know, that's something interesting maybe we can uh, talk about a little bit is the patience. And, and not that you weren't having sales that first year or two, right, or anything like that, but did you have a lot of not, not question marks of like, Hey, is this going to get bigger? Like maybe I'm working 15 hours. I'm not seeing as much as I thought. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little about that? Maybe the self-talk that you had to have to, to stay positive uh, through those first year or two. Yeah, definitely. And it's not just the first year or two, even days like recently I have thoughts like that. It's, I feel like it's never going to stop no matter what level you get to because entrepreneurship is like really high highs and low lows. Um, but you just got to like, I don't know. I really believed in it so much. Like people that are selling products, they don't, or they're not emotionally attached to, or they don't believe in, I feel like they give up easier than someone that believes in what they're doing. And I just think there's so much more left to do. And like every year we've been growing, the numbers are good, uh, making more and more amazing connections. Like my network, my net worth is like, no, not my network. My network is growing so big. Like I know so many cool people. And no matter what I get into, like down the road, like I'll always have them, have them there for me. Was there like a, I saw you had a picture, I'm a big Lakers fan. I saw with Magic Johnson. (laughs) Was there like a big, like, oh my God, this is, this is real type stuff. Like so maybe someone you met that, uh, or someone that shouted you out or what have you. Yeah, that was Magic. That was crazy. He, uh, he gave a speech to this mastermind I'm part of, and it was amazing. He took photos with everyone after. He, he was just hilarious. He's a great guy. Um, but I remember early on, I used to get really starstruck when, when people, I would see photos of them in the jerseys. It doesn't hit as hard now, but it's still amazing to see that. But when you meet them in person, you got to like treat them as equals so they're not like getting weirded out by you. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, that's fair. I didn't know if there was yeah that that first moment like whoa, <laughs> what's going on here? Like you're 19, 20 years old, and you're meeting some like obviously someone that would be considered a, a celebrity or what have you. So I'm sure there were some cool moments there. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, so you're, t- you know, back at Rutgers, right? You come up with the idea, you're starting, it's just you really. Now you're actually trying to grow this as a long-term business, right? Mm-hmm. Talk, to, talk to me a little bit about the structure of making this a business. So do you, I mean, mm-hmm. how many employees do you have currently? Do, or do you have, do you work with this independent contractors? How do you, how do you structure the business? Yeah. So it's just one full-time employee and the rest are freelancers. I like to keep my team really lean. Um, so we pretty much just have one full timer like that lives in Jersey and then the rest is offshore people or graphic designers or a customer service agency. Let me ask you this. I'm curious how this has changed the last few years. Do you, what, if anything, do you delegate out maybe that before you had to do that work? Oh yeah. So that's what I mean by the first year, 15 hour days, because I was doing everything myself. And that was a massive mistake because my strengths aren't customer service. My strengths aren't like doing all this side stuff that distracts me from the marketing because the marketing is what I'm good at. So the first thing I outsourced was customer service. And I waited way too long on that. I should have outsourced that way earlier. I was doing hundreds of emails a day myself, which was just a horrible way to start the day. Um, so customer service, graphic design. And then last year I outsourced my Google ads and my Facebook ads to agencies. So I, I like to stay in the, uh, in the loop of what works and what doesn't, but they're better than me. And I, I just saw it better to pay them than me learn everything. Cause Facebook changes so quick. Like every month there's new updates. So they're always on top of that. Yeah, and you only can do so much. I think that's the way you scale, right? Is you got to have folks that are helping you out that, unfor- you know, unfortunately you can't get to everything. So, hey, if someone is more talented, you know, kind of, I think Jobs used to say this, right? A's hiring A's, you know, I'm probably butchering that quote, <laughs> but, you know, hiring the right people, even if they are freelancers, what have you, has mm-hmm. probably been a game changer for you. Yeah, and I think people are scared to take that step because like their business is their baby and they want to protect it, but you're going to hire some people that work out and some that don't, but you just got to take it as a lesson and move on. What do you do? So obviously you're doing the business a lot. What what do you do outside the business for fun? What do you like to do? Uh, So I finally got my ass in the gym. So I've been going to lifetime. They got like a basketball court. I actually just got a black guy like two days ago, but I've been balling. Uh, I like the steam room a lot. I try to go in there like three to five days a week. Um, I like, there's an app called Blinkist I really like. It condenses audiobooks. I try to do one of those a day. I always try to learn something a day, whether it's Blinkist, a podcast, YouTube videos. I keep a journal of what I learned every day. It's like probably 300 pages now, and it's just amazing stuff in there. I also have a uh, habit journal, so I cross off habits like showering, brushing my teeth, um, all this other stuff. And yeah, I, I love Netflix like most people. And I love sushi, love eating out. Um, I also, I don't know if Chris told you, I run the page Delicious on Instagram. So a lot of restaurants will just let us eat there in exchange for photos. So I got to, I get to eat at amazing places. And it's really fun when I travel to like LA or Miami or a big city because there's so many options. No, wait, what's, hold on a second. When's Delicious? What is that? No, so it's a page on Instagram that oh, nice. delicious. And I uh, I purchased the page like a year ago. Best investment I ever made because I've made that money back tenfold in the amount of food I've gotten. <laughs> and is it spelled just like the word delicious? Yeah, it's literally the words are delicious. There's like a hundred million hashtags. So the page has a lot of value. Wow, that's pretty cool. Um, 
Going back, to, if I if I could ask, because this is something I've thought about a lot more recently. I've tried this a little bit, but around journaling, mm-hmm. and I think I've done it in spurts. But tell me about why you started journaling, and, and maybe some of the things you get out of it. Yeah, absolutely changed my life. Like it's crazy. Um, writing three things you're thankful for every day in your journal that has been shown to lower your blood pressure by ten percent. Um, and the habit journal, that's just amazing because you're putting yourself accountable for things you're trying to improve in your life. And when you see there's no check boxes on stuff you're doing, you realize you got to like get your stuff together. Um, so I've developed some amazing habits just from doing that. And I learned from Alex Becker to write down what you learn every day because you retain more information, uh, if you write it rather than if you just try to, uh, think about it. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, it's funny. I started, uh, I don't know how, how you, from a book standpoint, but maybe you do part of this is like, I started actually started reading more books last year than I probably ever have. Mm-hmm. And what I started to do was write a, I guess you can call it a journal, but at least three, but up to five things minimum that I've learned from the books. Cause you know, a lot mm-hmm. of the books have, have a lot of good points, but Hey, what are the big takeaways? So being mm-hmm. able to actually write a few points out where I can look back and remember, Oh, like, you know, that aha moment that maybe I picked up. So maybe to the point where you just mentioned is make sure you write down some of those things because that one, you know, maybe inspiration point you need at that time could be helpful. Yeah, a hundred percent. And the best time for me for books and our Blinkist is definitely on planes. I just bang them out and just go through them like nothing because there's no distractions up there. Do you find a lot of your, and that's a good point, maybe from a travel standpoint, are you mainly in front of the computer every day, kind of pumping out work? Do you travel? Is there a lot of events or promotional stuff you're doing? How, how do you, you talk about time management earlier, and that's a big thing. How do you manage? How is your day or week structured right now? Yeah, so I take weekends off, and that's because of my girlfriend. I drove her crazy the first two years when I was like working really hard. Um, so now I do that for her and honestly for me too, cause I'm in a much better mental state now that I have time to relax. Even like Sam ovens takes Sundays off. So I think, I think it's good to just chill for a day a week. Um, so I definitely do that, spend time and mostly it's structured. I get up between four to 6am and work till about six to 8pm, depending on how busy I am that day. And then after eight, I just try to shut everything off and just cool off. Um, but it's a lot of like emails, uh, Instagram DMS. I'm there a lot trying to network with people or do Jersey collabs and I host monthly networking events as well. They're free and, uh, they're in Jersey. I bring in like different entrepreneurs to talk. Um, and people seem to like that a lot and we got a cool community going on there and I'm meeting a lot of sick people. So I think I'm going to definitely do that every month. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty neat. And at least, you know, what I like is, and even as someone at 23 years old, maybe wise behind your years to actually figure out that you have to, you can't just go, you know, gas pedal down all day, every day, you know, you got to have some <laughs> reprieve, if you will. That's kind of part of almost like, you know, Tim Ferriss for our work week, right. Is like be able to delegate out and, and know that your business can run without you actually being in front of it every single day, every minute of the day. So kudos to you for that at that age. I mean, that's pretty cool, dude. Well, yeah, I learned it the hard way because it took a toll on my health. So that's another story. <laughs> what, what happened? Were you like in the hospital or something? Yeah. Um, I just got diagnosed with depression, um, anxiety. Like uh, they put me on Xanax. And then what happened was 
once you're taking Xanax, which is a horrible drug, um, you get addicted to it. So when I was taking it for like a month or two straight, uh, I was pretty much addicted. And when I ran out, I started having really bad withdrawal and uh, I ended up having a seizure from that. Wow. So uh, they rushed me to the hospital and that was, that was a big moment in my life. I pretty much gave up everything, like all drugs then. Was that like cold turkey you stopped pretty much? Yeah, or? cold turkey pretty much. Um, I tapered off and then quit cold turkey because I used to smoke a lot of weed too. So I cut that. I used to drink a lot of alcohol. So I cut that and then never touching drugs again after that. What was the um, – why do you think you stopped like just right away and just said – was it did, – did you feel like mortality was like facing you right in – you know, you're looking back in the mirror at potential death. Like this could be, this could be the end of it. That's such a young age. Like, is that, did that go through your mind? Was it looking at family, friends and didn't want to, like, what was the reason you think you just stopped? Cause I know a lot of folks struggle with that. No. Yeah. I, I genuinely thought I was going to die that day. Like I remember like I was home alone with my one friend, we were really high and he was leaving and I just collapsed down my front porch steps because I couldn't even talk. Uh, it was so scary. Like I, I couldn't talk at all. Um, and then I just sort of like blacked out. Um, and it was like eye opening to almost die at 21. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. If that doesn't give you perspective, uh, I don't know what will, geez. Uh, well, good to have you that you're, you're kind of on the mend and and now two years later, I mean, it looks like you're in good health, good shape, kind of got a good mindset, um, which I think is obviously extremely important. Um, especially Mm -hmm. as you, as you get older. Yeah, it's definitely, it's crazy. Like entrepreneurs get really addicted to their work, some of them. And like, you're just working such long hours. I would wake up frantically at like 4am every day just to check on my Facebook ads. And that's not healthy. So I had to figure out a way to like, resolve that. What are you excited about going forward with the, let's say maybe the next year or Jersey champs? What, what are, what are some things that are on the up and up, if you will, um, that you can't wait for? Yeah, so it's so exciting because there's so many opportunities with jerseys. Like we can go into corporate, we could go into esports, um, we can try to get sports licensing finally. But anything that's bringing us revenue now, we like to double down on. I realize that works really well, and for us, that's Facebook ads and Google ads. So whatever's trending, like the numbers will tell us, and we just keep releasing similar designs to that jersey. And remind me where everyone can find you online. Yeah, so my Instagram is Sean Mike Kelly and jerseychamp.com is the website. All right, let me ask you this because I feel like I can go on probably for an hour talking about some of this other stuff you mentioned. We might have to do a part two here at some point. Um, <laughs> let me ask you this because, and obviously, you're, you know, as you mentioned, you do the Blinkist, you obviously do a lot of audiobooks and those type of things, some podcasts. Mm-hmm same with me. And I've always taken a ton of different notes and those type of things. Mm -hmm. So what would be, if there was kind of one big key, whether it's an overarching kind of point that you like to make, maybe it's a quote you live by, um, something that's hot in your mind right now, what would you share with the audience? Maybe as a lasting impression, something for them to take with them, you know, Mm -hmm. on their own journey, maybe that they're, they're already into, or maybe they're looking about getting started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm not sure what type of audience you have, but what's worked for me is to always um chase the trend so like all of our top selling jerseys are based around what's trending so like back in 2016 when we were starting out that's how we got our foot in the door because 
we weren't trying to sell just branded shirts with our logo on them like a lot of people trying to do. Like that's a really hard sell. You got to chase what's trending. And in 2016, that was the Harambe Gorilla meme. So we did a Harambe jersey. Uh, we did a Trump jersey when he got elected. And that really sold. That's still our bestsellers today. So like next year for the election, we're probably going to do another one. Um, and we're even doing jerseys for Andrew Yang. So it's always good to just make money wherever you can, as long as it's trending. And um, yeah, just keep an update on trends. Uh, we use Google Trends, uh, Twitter trending, and also LinkedIn has some really good trending articles on their homepage. Sean, this was fun, man. I'm glad to get a chance to, to learn a little bit about you and, uh, and get to know you a little bit. This was a uh, very appreciative of you taking time out. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that episode with Sean and certainly appreciate his vulnerability throughout sharing a lot of his journey and some of the ups and downs throughout it. Um, you know, a lot of takeaways from there I'd love to kind of go into. I can go long-winded, as many of you know, but I'm just going to pick one, and I think it might be one of the most prominent, is around this idea. You know, him having this idea back in college and then acting on it, I think that's something for everyone listening in, is we all have ideas. And as Gary Vee says, you know, ideas are shit, execution is everything. So with that, there's two big things that I've taken away, um, at least kind of in my learning um, over you know, probably the last you know, handful of years, really. You know, one is I started carrying a notebook a couple of years ago, like where I handwrite notes down because I saw, you know, Richard Branson has done that. And it was an opportunity for him of all the different things he learned throughout the day. He just jot little notes down, just things to remember. And some of those were ideas in there. Um, so that's something, too, for me. I write down little ideas. I write down little notes. And it's helped me kind of remember or at least expand on some things that I might be thinking about versus the alternative is we've all had those ideas in the past. And then, you know, they, they're kind of fleeting moments and we forget what they were a month later. Maybe it could have been a great idea or it's something that could have spawned into even a better idea. So something to think about there, maybe carrying around that notebook, writing and jotting things down so that you can remember those. The second thing, and this comes from Sarah Blakely, who uh, was the founder of Spanx, is the founder of Spanx, uh, still very prominent uh, company, doing extremely well. Uh, you know, she said this a while back. I was listening to an episode of Masters of Scale, uh, Reed Hoffman's podcast, and she said, basically along the lines of, you know, look at 15 things in your life, write down how they could be better. You'll have a big idea right there. Um, so just something of analyzing things in your life, things that you go through, and figure out, can I improve that? Can I tweak it? And at the end of the day, she's right. There's a lot of things that we can change and evolve. Now you have to make the decision of like, is that something I actually want to go forward with? Well, that's obviously the next step. But having the idea first at least gives you that thought process of, do I actually want to do this? So those are just two takeaways from my experience that might help you guys in your journey, wherever you're at. Uh, but it kind of reminded me when I listened to you know, the episode back here uh, from my interview with Sean, just that ideas, they spawn from everywhere. But what can we do with those ideas? We have to have them first. And then obviously, we have to act on them and put in a lot of that, you know, grit and hustle to be able to actually uh, execute and make them a real thing. So hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Again, if you want to check out Sean, um, his website, jerseychampion.com. And of course, you guys can you know check me out online, brianondraco.com or Instagram and Twitter at Brian Andreco. Hope you guys have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.